Thank you very much. Earlier on, it was known as Greg and the Boys. So, uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, thank you very much, Susan. Uh, most of you know, you may not all know, but uh, the Bridge Youth Resource Center, located here in Leamington, was started as an initiative by Meadowbrook Church. And so every year we get the opportunity to come here and share a little bit about what is happening at the bridge. I'm the operations manager there, and uh, as a result, uh, I have the opportunity to start us off and uh, share a little bit about what the Lord is doing at the bridge. Also, uh, this morning we're going to spend some time talking about relationships. At the bridge, if you don't develop relationships, what's the point of being there? We are an organization that supports youth ages 14 to 24. They need help with all kinds of different things, but they're not going to get help from strangers. You need to develop a relationship with those youth. And so this morning as we talk about the bridge and what we do there, uh, we're also going to talk about relationships and how our relationship with the Lord helps us in our relationship with everyone else. So this morning we have George Bergen who will come up first and he'll talk about uh, a little bit about uh, the organization. He's the president of the board. Uh, he has also been instrumental from the beginning as far as the organization. Then we'll have John Dyke come up next. John is one of our very faithful volunteers. Uh, I don't know what you guys do on Friday evenings, but Friday evenings John comes out to the bridge. And what does he do? He hangs out with the youth, and he plays. He, he loves to play pool with them and ping pong, and as you have just found out, he's very competitive. And so are some of the youth, so it's some good times. Uh, John also helped out last night with a Christmas parade, and uh, I'm sure that went well. And then we've got Landon. Landon McCormick, uh, again, is not directly involved with the bridge, but indirectly he is. And what, John, uh, what Landon is going to share a little bit about his relationship with the Lord and what's happened to him over the past six months to a year. Uh, I've known Landon for a lot of years. And so, again, relationships are key to what we want to talk about this morning. All right, George, you want to start us off? Oh, there we go. As Greg said, I'm George Bergen. I'm one of the founders as well as the president of uh, the bridge at this point. And so I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the history of the bridge. For some of you, this may be the first time, so hopefully you'll learn something. For the rest of you, here we go again. <laughs> and it truly has been an adventure that, if anything, is intensifying, and it's definitely not getting any less exciting. And in this adventure, it is really, as Chris always talks, it's an upward relationship with the Lord so that we can inwardly transform, so that we can have a bigger impact in the community. And ironically, it was in 2014 that we, we as Meadowbrook leadership started wrestling with the question, outwardly, what kind of impact do we have in our community? Would our community really know if we close the doors? Again, through some good discernment, we probably said, ah, probably not too much. And even if there was, we can do better. And so that's what started the whole discernment of what can we do? And so we right away as the board of elders and the ministry management team, we were tasked to go out in the community and meet the MPP, Rick Nichols, and the mayor, uh, and many different organizations in the community to really find a, an opportunity where we could be impactful. And through that journey, we definitely found out that there was a gap uh, for youth. And so that's where the Bridge Youth Resource Center was birthed. We said, we need to start doing something with our youth in our community. 
And so we did. Uh, we came up with this really big vision that either we'd buy a home or we would build something that in the main doors when you come in, you'd have you know, somebody meet and greet you that could offer some resources. And hopefully we'd find a nice basement where the kids could play pool and beat John or other people like that. And then maybe on one level of the, you know, upstairs, we could have one or two rooms where they could do some transitional housing. And man, if we could get a couple rooms in there that we could actually rent out, that seemed like a pretty big vision. In fact, Meadowbrook thought that was maybe too big of a vision. But as we got into this journey, we, we soon realized the Lord was leading and the Lord had a much bigger vision for us. So in for phase one, in 2017, we actually we, we spent a lot of time looking for a proper location. We tried to find, uh, we came to St. Joseph Church first. We thought, man, this will be awesome. We came in there. We figured, surely it'll have a beautiful basement, kind of with the vision. Lots of rooms, a great kitchen. Ah, we went in. It was a beautiful sanctuary. Two bathrooms, like one, ba- you know, one little thing in each bathroom. No basement, no kitchen. So we said, no, nah, we're not going to stay here. We'll find something better. We left. We tried maybe eight or ten different places in our community. Everything, the door just closed, the door closed. Came back uh, and says, all right, we'll try again. Let's put an offer on it because this, this does look a good place. Our real estate agent said, wow, you got two unconditional offers. We'll keep looking. And about a week later, uh, we got a call back from the real estate and says, I don't know what happened, but both offers are gone. It's yours for the taking. And boom, we jumped on it. We had a couple businesses step up so we could afford to buy it right away. And in this facility on the bottom side of the photo, you can see the whole sanctuary turned into a place where the youth can hang out. So not only do we have a beautiful kitchen in there so that we can do a lot of meals in there, but also training in there. We have showers. uh, We have a community closet. uh, There's uh, lots of different services for mental illness, mentoring, social inclusion, photo, uh, food programs. Just a lot of different things in there. But the motto we live by, this isn't just a handout. It's going to be a hand up. As Greg has already said, we want to build a relationship, find out where you're coming from, what's going on, and how we lives not for services. With that, we also wanted to make sure that we work in collaboration with all the local services. So I'm not going to go through all of them, but hopefully you know more than one of those up there. And there's probably at least double, if not triple, of, of different agencies we've reached out just to see uh, provide a proper service with our youth. And so we don't want to reinvent any of these. We just want to create a partnership and a, a relationship with them. And if we do find a there isn't something in our community for our youth, then we work either with some of these agencies or the bridge takes it on to bridge that gap and get what they really need. And, and things have changed. What we thought once was all needed in it. We only offered that vision that we had a resource side of things, which wasn't in an abatement in this case. But it still had nothing couch surfing and, and just didn't have a permanent residence, residence anywhere. So that and so I, uh, through pain, enough to get a proper loan to do phase two for transitional housing. So our board had to decided that uh, we're going to have to put this on rest for a little bit. Let's wait another year. Let's get some money raised and then we're going to jump into what we want to call transitional housing. So two days after they had, we had made that decision, I had one more possible family to go visit that may do something. And sure enough, I met with the acquiring family and they had met with me a few times, but it didn't look like they were ready to jump on board yet. Long story short, because it's a wonderful story, I'll tell you at a different time, as I was about ready to leave and they had drilled me with lots of questions that I thought I wasn't answering too well, 
they stood up and says, guess what, George? Not only are we going to help, we will supply all the funds for phase two. And not only will we supply the funds, we'll take the project on. As Greg can tell you in many stories, running a construction project is extremely difficult. So they brought in their own vendors, and they put this whole thing together. So instead of having one or two rooms, they gave us ten wonderful rooms that we could have, five bathrooms, a common area, and, you know, we at this point now do have all ten rooms filled. It's, it's sad in one way, but it's awesome that we have it because things have only gotten worse. When we opened it in 2018, uh, there was only probably four, five, six people back and forth, sorry, in 2020. But as we got moving, and especially through COVID, just the demand kept getting higher and higher. And now there's a good waiting list there already. And as you can tell on there, that we've served, supported over 20 youth in the last 12 months. 12 have enrolled into the program, and one youth has returned. And part of the reason they're returning, there's nowhere to find rent. I don't know if any of you have looked for a new home, especially for rental or to purchase. Our community is probably between eight to 10,000 short right now, and in the next five years, we're going to be over 12,000 homes short. So part of what we always dreamed about as well is we wanted to make sure we had a facility that we could allow the youth to move into, and then whether they needed our help or not, that they could start life on their own. And so we, we announced this last year that we want to call it phase three, where we want to put up 12 different homes and put it on the back of our property. And it was pretty exciting. As we started dreaming and planning, Habitat Canada got a grant to do some research in 3D printing. Habitat Canada thought, man, this is a great project. Let's find a province to do this in. They selected Ontario. Ontario decided to select Windsor. Windsor didn't have any land to do it, so they connected with our mayor. Our mayor had nothing to do it, but he knew what we, she knew what we were doing over at the bridge, and so they connected with us. And so, amazing story how they brought it all the way to the bridge. Uh, they partnered with the University of Windsor and many other people in our community. So it is the first ever multi-dwelling home in North America. So we will be a part of history. That can never be taken away. That's a 3D printed home. It's also the first Four Seasons home in all of Canada. There was one small one printed years ago, but it's, it was just a cottage for the summer. So those are just some of the things that we have been able to afford to do at this time already with that. Along with the 3D printed home, this will give us four homes. Uh, you can see on the right, it's fully furnished, and Tepperman's came in and just donated everything in there. So when we had a grand opening, they were going to just stage it for us. And as Krista, our ED, walked in, they told her, so she felt like, you know, moving into a new house, this was all gifted to her. I'm sure you've seen some of those shows. But some youth is going to get that, or a young family is going to get that. Uh, it's a one-bedroom, 560-square-feet home, and there is a quadplex for that. Along with Phase 3, you can see here there's going to be two more sections in there, and those are modular-built homes. And those modular-built homes are currently being built in Harrow. And those eight homes will be coming early in the new year. So we're hoping in the first quarter that they will come in there. And within those homes, they will be very similar layout to the 3D printed homes. And it will, again, offer the youth to move into there. So after transitional housing, they then get to go into these. And within this, we got a $1.85 million grant from the federal government. And then the mayor's council in our community also donated another million dollars for 20 years of property management and aftercare services. So, so within these facilities, they can stay as long as they can have. So there'll be a very affordable, attainable rent some medium rent, and even some regular rent. And all the rent that we make will obviously be there to maintain these homes, but a, a large portion will go into the self-sustaining, uh, self-sustainability of the bridge. 
And within the phase four, our board had the vision and has already purchased the land roughly two acres behind the current facility. And now we're just in the final stages of rezoning it to residential as well. And in the next two years, our another 30 homes back there, these tiny homes. And we'll have a grand total of 42 homes, not only meeting the needs of a lot of but a lot of the young families in our community who are working in our community but just don't have a place to, to sleep as well. And they can't afford the three, 4000 that they have to pay rent. We, we're, our goal is to keep it $1,000 or less. It is a tiny home. It'll be a one-bedroom uh, apartment kind of thing. And then the 42 homes will make the bridge completely self-sustainable so that we can be able to afford all the programs that we're doing and even seed money where the Lord is going to take us on this adventure. And we wouldn't be here if it wasn't with all the relationships, not only in our community, with the city, with the province. So the impact is tremendous through the relationships that the Lord has blessed us with. So not only does the bridge needs of the food and mental illness and the housing stability and everything else, we've always had the vision that we wanted to be a, an example to all the youth in our community. And so we've created a couple of social enterprises Hopefully, most of you have tried Community Donut. They do an amazing job of bringing these donuts out once a week. If not, please reach out to Greg or the Bridge and, and enjoy some of these donuts. Wonderful opportunity. But more than that, we allow the youth then to get hired by our kitchen coordinator, and they learn all the aspects of running a small business, from advertising, you know, budgeting the, food, uh, the ingredients, getting up sometimes at 2 to 4 a.m. and getting these donuts ready so they can get them out, whether they deliver or schedule the pickups. These youth get a chance to experience what it takes to run a startup business. And so it's another great way that we can build into the youth as well as provide some amazing treats for the community. And we just finished our second annual Take Your Shot event. And so this is another item that we've really reached out to the local schools. So often poverty, people remain in poverty. And I would say Leamington is just phenomenal in being very resourceful to live at the poverty level and even under the poverty level. And the best way to get out of it, stats will show that we need to educate our youth so that they have an opportunity to get anything and everything they want. So we've come up with several bursaries. So first place on several of the bursaries, you can win up to 20 grand, five grand a year, just so you'll get a post-secondary degree. If you've had any housing instability, you can get up to five to eight grand, just so that you can also apply that to your education. And then what I'm proud to say, there's also a faith-based bursary. So anyone who's pursuing a career, whether it's going to be in church or implementing their faith in any area, they can apply and win that as well. And on top of that, that really sits well with the relationship-based, not only do you get the funds, but we will partner you with a coach or a mentor that will add to your already existing support system so that you will stay committed in finishing that post-secondary degree, because we do believe that will definitely help eliminate that poverty cycle that is, you know, typically repeated. But on top of that, you've probably heard of Shark Tank or Dragon's Den. We then go reach out to these entrepreneurial-minded youth in all of Essex and Kent County. And it's amazing some of these great ideas that these youth come up with. And so they, they're a bunch of uh, youth will apply with their business. There's a committee that will discern it down to 10 and then they get a chance to come to three strong workshops. So they learn their financing, they learn their marketing, and then they get a chance to start practicing how to present themselves to get some funding. And they, anyone who you know, finishes all three of those will make it to the final day. And then we bring in judges from the community, some strong businessmen, angel investors from Windsor, the mayor, and just some influential people in our community that hear these pitches and gives really good advice to these youth to see, and they fight for first place. So first place gets 20 grand, and then second, 10, five, three, and two. 
And that's where they get a kickoff. So not only do they get the, the money, they also get a mentor that will come from that industry or a finance so that they can really help them budget and everything else. And they, the other part is they just do a phenomenal job of just integrating with each other. So a lot of these businesses that are competing end up using each other's services to start growing. So that networking is priceless. They get to meet a lot of the mentors, a lot of the judges, and often the judges will partner with these, eight, these groups because they have phenomenal business. I know I've taken advantages of several of those winners because they do a great job in a lot of different things. So for us, this has been exciting to just see that we can be a part of the youth at any level, whether you're having some instability in housing or mental illness or anything, or you're an entrepreneur and you're going to create businesses for a lot of these youths. And long term, that's our goal, is the more businesses we support, the more jobs the youth will have a chance to go to. All of this doesn't just happen overnight. We are not 42 homes in yet. We're not even the 12 homes in yet, so we do need our fundraisers to sustain ourselves. And so this year we had already, I think it was a fourth annual already, fourth annual sleeping out event, and the Lord has just blessed us. Coming out of this, Chris announced this a few weeks ago, our MB youth were phenomenal, just under $8,000 to win the group event. But not only that, that we raised our highest ever. We was just under 184000 that our community donated for sleeping out, which will be operational for our bridge to stay in you know, sustain all these different programs that we run. And, you know, one of my fav favorite is when Bill Dunn comes in with the Soup Guru. We have a soup weekend, and this is a chance where we just really get to invite the whole community in and share sometimes 15 to 20 different selections of soup. But it's just, it's so electric and so warming to see so many, not only of Meadowbrook, but so many different churches and just community members coming out and checking out what the bridge is. The awareness that gets brought out by having these meals and just the relationships that are built are just phenomenal. Uh, not only that, there are a lot of third-party events that raise money for us. And just this week alone, I had an opportunity to, to participate in two of them. So there's a Ryan Friesen uh, tailgate fundraiser, and we did the hooping around the clock where several of our young adults joined us this week as, weekend as well. And it's just a great opportunity. Both events invite over 300 people out to these events and they do raise funds for us. Combine these two organizations, I'm hearing preliminary numbers that should be north of $30,000 that they're going to do for us. And just wonderful events that these third-party groups are doing for us. Moving on into relationships, here's just one list. And Greg told me I could only do one list today, so I'm not going to go. So many of your names aren't on there and many other names aren't on there. But here's a list of just how many people are part of our family at the bridge. And there's so many things that I could tell, probably a half-hour story almost on every one of those, which, again, we can't do today. But if you guys want to hear some stories, if there's a name on there and you want to find out how they're linked, feel free to reach out to any one of us that could tell you that story. But I do want to talk about a relationship that was just vital for us uh, that started just over a year ago. And it came with just building relationships. They were supporters or volunteers of the bridge. And it was a businessman that just really found the Lord, brought him back. He had, you know, the prodigal son story. He had kind of left the Lord, followed and pursued a wonderful earthly career and making all kinds of money, but all of a sudden the Lord got hold of his heart. And he reached out to me and he says, you know, George, I want to change my life and I need men in my life that will just, that understand me. I got lots of learning to do. And so we started a small group just of entrepreneurs in our community and it's gone from anywhere from five to eight people. We meet once a week for two hours, and we just allow it to be an authentic time. Whatever's on your heart, whether it's business decisions, how to integrate faith into work, and often just what's going on in the family and or individually. It's really an upward-inward connection where we've really developed a strong relationship. 
But because we're all entrepreneurs, sooner or later, something we knew was going to happen outward. We were going to do something in our community. And so through a lot of prayer and concern or discernment, and we're not done that discernment yet, uh, we bought the Knox Presbyterian Church in our community, and we're going to relabel that to the Leamington Center of Hope. So this... Thank you. So in this center, we realize a lot of the service the bridge offers our youth are not provided in our community. And so how we want to bring hope to our community, here are just some of the high-level things that we are dreaming about and discerning about, is we have a huge migrant community, and we want to make sure they have an opportunity to worship. So we're going to use the sanctuary of this church, and we're going to do it in their language. So we're partnering with some Spanish, even Jamaican churches, where they understand the culture, and it's right downtown. So a lot of times on the weekend or even during the work, there's a lot of migrant workers around. We want to invite them in. We no longer want to treat them as them and us. Our goal is that we want to become the body of Christ. We want us to be them included. So FYI, we will be definitely reaching out to Meadowbrook to help welcome them in. And we'll see how the Lord leads us and how we're going to be a part of that. But not only that, we want to be a resource center. There are a lot of people who are dealing with addictions or don't have permanent address in our community. And so, again, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. We're going to partner with local agencies so that we can be that resource center, again, centrally located in the downtown Leamington, so that we can help partner and get them the resources that they need. Uh, several of the men on our group are, are greenhouse owners, so we have a tremendous amount of food that goes to waste. Gleaners already takes a chunk of that, but we want to just be a part of a, a food support programs. Again, we're not going to re- replace anybody else. We're just going to add to what's already there so that there can be healthy food options in our community. And then we want to do an, a community outreach program with the migrant workers, with the local body of church. And we want to do like a street ministry in a sense that we want to be able to go out and meet the non-permanent residents people as well as those addictions. Because often they won't come, especially when they see it as a church up front. They don't understand how that holistic approach of hope has to go there. So we feel it's vital that we go meet them where they are and then love them enough that we won't leave them there and build a relationship again so that they'll come and trust us and come into the, the facility with us. What most likely will happen long-term, and again, as you found out already in our vision today, the Lord might take it in other ways, but what we're dreaming of long-term is we want to be able to have emergency housing, transitional housing, and permanent address for these uh, family members that we'll be working with as well. And we see there will be an overlap with those 42 homes where maybe we'll rent some of those. But not only that, uh, with the addiction services, the government constantly reduces the amount of time they can stay in these rehab centers. And so we want to create a facility, dry houses if you call that, both for male and female, where they could stay 12 to 24 months with us, because we know it's not the same for everyone, so that they could have this opportunity to really get healthy. And many who have been doing this uh, sometimes have been living in this lifestyle anywhere from 10 to 15 years. So they don't Even after they've gone through this service, they're not ready to go back to work. So we're going to create a facility that they'll be working on real jobs, but the goal is to train them how to get back into work, like the concept of getting up every morning and putting in your full 8-hour, 10-hour shift, learning how to work the center where they can really learn how to get back to work. And so that's kind of our, our goal, is that we want to make an impact in the community as well. And this wouldn't exist if it wasn't through all the relationships that the Lord has now brought us back Those three things will work continuously building a relationship with you, which will transform this opportunity. There's a many volunteer opportunities currently at the bridge. 
And they, you know, Greg will give you the list of things to do. But one of our volunteers, as Greg already mentioned, is John Dyke. And it's a unique relationship that John and I share as well. We grew up together, went to school, used to attend the same church. But the Lord took us in different paths when we got married, even took John way out in northern Alberta. But John says, nope, not staying there. Even his beard didn't keep him warm enough. No, he has a better story of when he came back. But not only did he come back to our community, uh, he's been a wonderful volunteer at the bridge. And as you know, he's a member of Meadowbrook. So the Lord has brought him back to be a part of this journey, at least for this season. So join me in welcoming John to share a little bit. It's not a really good representation of me up there. Sorry, I, I couldn't leave that alone. Uh, in, in August of 2017, Lena and I felt that after about eight months of pre- preparation, we were ready to return to Leamington after spending about nine and a half years, after spending about nine and a half years in northern Alberta. Re- reconnecting or being available for family seemed to be the biggest driving factor or reason uh, we could come up with as to why both of us felt that God was leading us to come back. We're glad we did. While we were uh, still in Alberta, we heard about this effort to start a youth resource center and some of the drama that was unfolding. Uh, I did not spend much time following the uh, the story, only that I was proud of the fact that George was putting uh, the talents that he had to good use. Lena and I were able to help uh, with some of the final painting uh, prior to the bridge's official opening and began pretty much immediately to volunteer as mentors once a week uh, to be a presence and offer ourselves relationally to the youth There are several of the youth that stand out as far as stories and experiences that I can relay. Um, Before I do that, I think to make a comment about what might happen emotionally as you listen. I don't share my experience to somehow guilt you into serving at the bridge. I want to set you free from that. Or in whatever opportunity to serve God, um, in, in whatever way God is, is leading to you. So it's, it's not about trying to guilt you into serving. Because guess what? That's not what God does, right? I think that initial response of, uh, of feeling guilty, um, discern that, right? Uh, if it's from the Holy Spirit, I think there will also then come a measure of empowerment to do something about it. If it's a guilt that just keeps you at home doing nothing, um, yeah, that, that's also from, from Satan, right? That, that guilt and shame um, that drives fear and keeps you uh, in a stalemate. Um, so just recognize that. There's a place where serving out of a sense of duty has merit. What I would prefer to happen is that we all recognize that God has called each of us to a unique area of service. And my hope is, is that my sharing will spur you on to either keep pressing into the area that God has called you or that you will take action if you find yourself coasting, not being intentional about putting flesh to the faith that God has given you. Relationship, relationships are not easy, and they require commitment. That's a really profound statement. I'm glad I thought of it. <laughs> Let me repeat that. Relationships are not easy, and they require commitment. With that said, many of the youth that, have been blessed, uh, that we've been blessed to get to know have had many broken relationships as their experience, and it jades them, um, colors them in a way, or sets them up in a particular way to struggle in society. This is where the church has a unique perspective, since forgiveness allows us to continue to risk uh, 
carrying on in a relationship, even though there are things about it that might hurt at times. It's also worth noting, I'm not talking about abuse. Okay, let's be clear. Um, abuse in a relationship, um, and, and that's honestly why a, n- a number of these kids end up at the bridge. Um, so I'm not advocating to put up with abuse. I'm, what, I'm, what I am saying is, is don't give up on a relationship just because it's difficult. That's a topic for another sermon, I'm sure. Relationships require effort and commitment. Many of the youth have grown up in an abusive, unstable environment that have put them on a path where they can uh, benefit immensely from having an adult walk with them consistently as a role model or a mental, uh, mentor for a time. Two youth boys stand out as I recall learning more about their story. One grew up hearing over and over and over again that he's not going to amount to anything. And guess what? So many of us end up living that out in one way or another. Um, or that turns into a, a workaholic scenario where we try to prove ourselves through effort. Um, and so both responses um, are, are not good. The messaging can often prove fatal uh, to these kids when they start living, uh, living out that whole concept of I'm not going to amount to anything. Not only are they not hearing words of affirmation that we all need and at times crave, they're hearing, hearing the opposite. About three or four months ago, I began seeing the second uh, of the boys I mentioned in town, both having uh, been coming to the bridge for quite, uh, have not been coming, so they've kind of graduated or, or moved on. I pulled over to say hi, and he quickly confessed that he wasn't in a good place. He had returned to Leamington, which he said was a mistake, since this area was a hotbed of drug uh, and other illegal activity for him. He told me, he said, I should, I should have known better than to come back. He continued in relaying uh, that he spent time at his mom's place, ultimately since he needed somewhere to live. And that's supposed to be a safe place, home. He confessed to her that he was struggling um, and that he was having suicidal thoughts. Um, and shortly thereafter, he overheard the woman that gave birth to him tell someone on the phone that she'd be okay if he just went ahead and did it. I opened up my afternoon for him. (laughs) And uh, I brought him to where he was renting a couch, essentially. He He had access to a living room that was his. I don't know how much he was paying, but he was working, so he didn't need money. Dropped him off, he got changed, he get, got back in my truck, I brought him to McDonald's so he could eat. And uh, we visited for some time. This young man stands out to me because he was one of the guys that was pulling other youth aside to pray with them. He would take them off into the chapel and uh, just speak words of affirmation and encouragement. And, uh, and now he's back in, in this situation. What can I do? <laughs> And so uh, we, just, we just chatted for some time. I prayed for him. And uh, next number of months, I've sent different texts um, telling him I'm still praying for him and I don't get anything back. So I don't think it's, it's hopeless because he knows, he, ends up, he has that knowledge of, of the saving grace of God, but is trapped. Um, and so pray for him. My heart hurts 
for him in particular because at one point God, you know, began this amazing work in his life. And he began to be, offer himself to be used for the kingdom, kingdom's sake. There's also good stories. <laughs> and these are, even this encounter is a reason enough for me to continue. Um, you can imagine throughout COVID, um, there's thoughts of why am I even showing up anymore? The center was closed for different times. And, and so is it worth continuing to come? And I'm going to tell you it is. There's also good stories. A young man stands out, and many, of, uh, uh, to, and many of you have encountered him in the pews of this church. He's doing well. I did not ask him for permission to share on his behalf, so I won't go into detail. Other than to say that several of the guys that I've had to, uh, the good fortune of getting to know at the bridge are coming around later, letting me know that they've been benef- they have benefited from our time spent together. As much as I'd like to think that I wouldn't need those words of affirmation from these youth, right? That's that reward that keeps you going. And, and as much as, uh, you know, maybe you would assume that, you know, with pastoral background and all this kind of stuff, I'm still human. And uh, I need to know that I'm making a difference. And, uh, and so it's just sweet when you get that, that phone call or somebody's asking for a contact. Is it okay if... You know, so-and-so reaches, of course. <laughs> and so there's times when I have reason to be in Windsor. One of the youth moved to Windsor, and every once in a while I'll, I'll text and we'll have lunch. And, uh, and it's so funny because without fail, he'll ask me, um, got a question for you. <laughs> and I know he's either looking for a debate <laughs> or looking to prove that Christianity is a farce. And it's like, and every time it's like, okay, God, I, I don't know how to answer his questions. And I don't think he's actually curious about that. He's wanting to know if I'm going to stick around. And Lena in particular, early on, told him that, you know what? We don't agree with your efforts toward atheism. And he'd bring in a satanic Bible to see what, how we would react. And we didn't. And we told him that we continued to love him despite the things that he's trying to do. And so, a grown man at this point, still needing to poke and prod, right? A little bit of a bully, right? Am I going to keep showing up? I hope he'll let me. So these re-encounters after their time at the bridge uh, have helped me to stay optimistic and hopeful. So how long does it take to make a difference? It's probably not even a fair question. Um... But I'm wearing the sweater as a bit of a badge of honor because at the 500-hour mark, showing up for a few hours every week, I ended up with the trophy of a, in the form of a sweater, right? So I wear it as a bit of a badge of honor. Um, and, uh, just, and the only reason I bring it up you know, is, is just that. The highlight, you know what? Um, there's times when we can make a difference just by showing up that one time. Um, but as a rule... Uh, these kids need uh, consistent presence, um, somebody they can trust, someone that tells them uh, that they're, we got their back, right? And uh, yeah, so I think that about sums it up for me, and I'm going to hand it off to a very capable man. Hi, um, my name's Landon. Uh, 
Greg had asked me to talk about my relationship with the Lord, and I shared a little bit with him, and I'll say that standing here now, I just, uh, I just desire knowledge for the Lord, and that's what I've been after, and intimacy with the Lord. And, uh, it sort of started last, around Christmas time last year, um, there was a hunger inside me, and I didn't really know what it was. It was just there, and it was there for a little while. And you know, I was listening to I was listening to somebody. I heard him say that you know the Bible doesn't mean anything if the author doesn't sit down with you. that. Hit me. That's a little rough. I don't know, but I was like, you know, that makes sense. So you know, I just. I Praying every time I read the just Holy Spirit, I need revelation, something up. I don't know, I don't know what. You know what? So whatever I need, I just I please Holy Spirit, give it to me. So you know, I, I started praying that for months and reading my Bible, and nothing, nothing happened. It was a nothing special, nothing great, but it was consistent. I was praying it. But I did notice in those four, about four months that my prayer life has changed. Uh, I stopped, uh, I don't know, I sort of stopped giving God my to-do list of prayers. And I found myself just worshiping God. I'd just tell him, I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you. I want you. I need you. Light up your word to me. And just praying this over and over and over. And it just... I just, there, there was change just with praying. And I just, you know, at church, I, I started raising my hands during worship. And that was weird. I, I would see people do it and I'd think, nope, not for me. And I just, I had the thought that the Lord is holy and he deserves my worship. I will put my hands up for him. And that was a, that took a bit to, to get over there's a few times I didn't do it when I really wanted to, but I started, and it, it just, I cried, standing here crying, surrendering to the Lord that, you know, I just, I love you and I need you, and I just believe it's a posture of my heart that you are Lord, you are holy, you deserve my worship. So I just, I just continuing this, and I don't, I didn't, like I say, for about four months, I was doing this, and I just, one day I had the, I just had the thought of reading Ephesians, and I sat down and I read Ephesians, and it sort of felt good, and I thought, wow, like, thank you God for answering my prayer, it was, it was good, I got a little tingle, so I read it again, and it happened again, I'm like, yes, thank you God, you're, you're revealing yourself to me which I believe he was, but I was in Ephesians for about a month. And one day I sat down and I picked it up again to read Ephesians again. And I just got into it. And I came to verse 16. And it says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the Lord of our God, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
Oh, I just felt, I feel the Holy Spirit now. He just, I just weeped and cried and cried, and I was shaking. You know, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he was raised from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also but also in the ones to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Um, yeah. no. That just, the Holy Spirit just hit me so hard with that. And what, I, what he showed me, what I've been after, is I, I, I needed to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Holy Spirit wrecked me on this, but that's, that was an answer to me. I want to know who God is. So I started praying that. Holy Spirit, give me revelation and wisdom of you, of God. I want it. And he immediately, immediately took me to revelation. Like, I started praying that, and I, he... Brought me to Revelation, and I'm reading, you know, about Jesus clothed in a robe, gold sash around his chest, eyes of fire, face as bright as the sun. Just, it just touched me. This is my God, you know. Who, I just, you know, who, who, Paul looks around and Who's worthy to take the scroll from the Father's hand? He sees no one. And an angel says, there is one. Like, that is my God. And he has just, uh, he's shown me who he is. And he still is. I don't, I don't know fully. I don't think I ever will. But he is just, um, it's amazing. You know, I just, my God sits on the throne in the throne room. My God has a scroll in his right hand to the right of the Father. And my God's inside me in spirit. And I just, knowing this and what he showed me, the intimacy that I want with the Lord is just, it's, it's starting to wreck me. I don't know what to... What to say about it, I think that is never going to end, but I want God, and he's showing me how much he loves me. He, sh- and he is love, but he has showed me, maybe I've had a weak view of him for my life, like what he showed me, his power, his glory, his majesty, everything. He is love, and he loves me, and I love him. How do I love how do I love you, Lord? How do I minister to you, Lord? I want to know that. I want, I want that from you. So that's just that's sort of where I am right now. And uh, you know, I met I met George in the springtime, 
And he walked me through a spiritual journey, and it was life-changing, and it definitely helped me get to the point I am now. And I just, uh, you know, George, he... To sit down with, with a man and confess sin and repent is the most freeing thing I've ever felt. Like, that was great. That opened so much doors. And then, you know, healing, you know, I had wounds I didn't even know. Healed those wounds and forgiving. You know, George, we prayed. We prayed for Jesus to come to me, and Jesus came and gave me a vision. And I saw things, and he walked me through things. And I, I, I ended up forgiving my mother by the end of it. And I'm just like, wow, where did that come from? Like, that was some deep hurt that I didn't even know where it was. But, you know, I just, I see George, and I know it's the Holy Spirit working through George. But, you know, I believe God has given George a desire to help men and youth. You could see you could see that with how what he's talked about about the bridge today. He has such a strong desire to help people, and it's it's amazing. And I've known Greg for I fifteen years at least, um, and uh, I Greg has always uh, he's always been Greg. He's you know he's rock. Greg is rock solid. Like that is. That's it. You know, we work in we worked in construction. I was pretty wild at that time. There's just it it's a crude, <laughs> rough trade. And Greg was in the middle of that, and Greg was just always rock solid and he would not sway and he would tell people that he's a Christian and he believes and he would open up. He told me that. I remember one day me and Greg were driving, and uh, Becca was pregnant with Emily, and, you know, we're going to a job site, and Greg's, like, very nicely, like, you know, Landon, you're going to be a father, and you should maybe settle down a little bit, like, <laughs> you know, he just, he's all, I'm like, yeah, that would be a good idea, wouldn't it? So, you know, he's always been there. He's just, he's been there for me. I've seen him been there for everybody else in work and to just you're going to hear about his passion for helping these youth as well and uh, just you know all three of these guys have just a great passion God's called them to love on these youth that they're working for and they've God's put them in this position and they're there for the youth and I just thank you guys for doing that and here's Greg Thanks, Landon. Uh, we did, we're not told how much time we could have this morning, so uh, I've got another half hour or so, and then uh, we're free to go. Um, actually, if we want to have, uh, you guys can step down, and worship team can come on up, uh, because uh, time is getting away from us. I just got a few comments that I want to wrap up with. And uh, again, the focus has been on the bridge this morning. Uh, you've heard the stories. Uh, I have lots of stories that I could share as well as far as 
how I have been impacted as a result of interacting with the youth and being able to develop relationships with the youth. Uh, if you desire uh, to volunteer at the bridge and be part of that um, celebration of interacting with youth, let me know and we can work out some details as far as how you, you can be a volunteer at the bridge. But more importantly, um, each one of us working at the bridge or volunteering at the bridge, we can't do it without our relationship with the Lord. And as we've just heard Landon share, how the Lord can impact your life if you allow him in. And sometimes we as men, uh, and I'll speak for most of the men here, I think, we don't want to develop a relationship uh, with other men. Uh, we don't want to develop a relationship with young people. Uh, we're not like that as men. We're, we're tough and rough. Uh, Landon's a good example of, right that, of that, right? The size he is, and John's not a little guy either. But they are perfect examples. And I don't know what that means, John, but you're not a little guy. That's a compliment. <laughs> that relationship that we as people, and specifically I'm talking to men right now, that relationship that you can have with the Lord God Almighty, the creator of our universe, he desires a personal relationship with each one of us. And if we open up our hearts to him, he can change us in profound ways. And Landon is a perfect example of how the Lord has worked in his life in this past year and how it has changed him and how Landon yearns for more of that time with God, that intimacy with Him. All up to you. <laughs>